Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. I've read uh, about the Illuminator, but could you, could you, any of you tell me how did it start? How did this really come about and, and uh, become so big, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it kind of, it grew out of Occupy Wall Street. Um, and at first it was more of a sort of an affinity group of a couple of individuals involved in Occupy. Um, and, uh, you know, they were able to secure a little bit of money um, to buy a van, a used van and a used projector. Um, and then the very first projection, which was, you know, proto illuminator, it wasn't quite, uh, hadn't solidified as the illuminator collective yet, but it was um, on uh, November 17th in uh, 2011. Oh my God, that's so long ago. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, as um, thousands of people were walking across the Brooklyn Bridge uh, as part of Occupy Wall Street. And it was just kind of like a moment to like cheerlead uh, what was happening. You know, it was like a 99% yeah. video projection, like Occupy New York, also Occupy Toronto, Occupy Detroit, Occupy Paris, Occupy Berlin, you know, Occupy everything. And it resulted in like a massive celebration, you know, because I think people just weren't used to like having something for the people that was like a large visual public space spectacle, you know, it was kind of like the first thing like that, that I had ever seen where normally it's like advertisers can do that. Sure. But the movement did it, you know, and you did it over the Verizon building. If I'm not I'm correct, right. You did it on the Verizon building, the 99%. That's right. Yeah. And you know, now that you say that uh, you actually, I'm jumping into part of the, other questions that I have, but it's it's usually space reserved for uh, commercial entities or companies and have these big displays. Uh, how did you see the reaction to people about looking at their what they were shouting about, what they were complaining about, what were they protesting about? What was the reaction toward it? Yeah, I mean, it was super, super positive. Um, I remember there's, we have a video of it. It's quite long, but there's this guy that screams, this is the best moment of my life. <laughs> you know, it was, that might've been an exaggeration, but like, it was a really powerful moment, you know, cause it's not like the projection isn't the thing that's making him say that. Right. It's like that, like there were thousands of people like moving together there for like the, you know, uh, for the same reasons of being like frustrated with everything and wanting to build another world and then all of a sudden having this additional shared experience of this unexpected thing this projection um that kind of like yeah only had meaning because all those thousands of people were already there but um yeah it really like it does something it really like elevates the spirit i think we've noticed a lot you know and and going into this when you first did it uh, when you guys first did it I mean, you were not expecting anything, right? Where you were just doing it because, hey, seems like a, a good idea. And was it the reaction of the people that actually made you like open like a new, a new way of doing protests? I mean, so neither of us uh, were actually at that first projection. I mean, now at this point, Emily is like, you know, doing most of the work in the collective and like keeping it going. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I joined like shortly after the um, 
okay the original projection but yeah i mean like i saw it and for me that was that was huge it was like um uh oh my god i have to get involved in this thing you know also because like i personally was interested in street art and this kind of thing but had no ability to draw or anything like that. So like Maybe seeing someone, yeah, it's like, oh wait, we can use Photoshop and then like put it on a building. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I think it was like pretty, for me, it was really mind opening, you know, like, and I had heard of like the Gorilla Girls and been a fan of their work, you know, um, and seeing the sorts of like billboard modifications they were doing. Like they didn't let women into the museum, something like that. I remember like a very classic, uh, guerrilla girls but uh, emily how has this uh how does the organization of come into play with different actors because i'm guessing that a lot of people might be interested but how can you organize or how can you control what's going to be put out there sure um was this recently i feel like she might have reached out to us actually i don't know if we <laughs> got involved um so with us we operate as a collective um there are about like eight to 10 of us at any given time. And we have regular meetings, like either every two weeks or once a month. Um, and during those, um, we sort of go over internal projects that we're working on, um, long-term groups we're working with in New York City. And uh, if people tend to reach out to us a lot with um, ideas or projects in mind, um, either like artists, um, people working on a long-term campaign or like a short-term issue that's come up. Um, we're constantly getting emails and requests from people um, who want us to help them with their project. And we have like an internal um, system of like values. And so we discuss the projects. Um, if they don't seem like something we're aligned with, we'll still try to work with someone normally to like get to the same place. Um, but I guess the short answer is a lot of discussion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you take votes? Uh, so we're a consensus-based collective, um, which is great. It's something I've done uh, in a lot of different um, areas of my life, uh, like living collectives, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It makes it so there's not like a majority that keeps quashing a minority opinion um, and everyone eventually takes the time to get on the same page and feel good about a project and move it forward. I would wonder about the topics that that you actually as a collective want to touch upon and other topics that can be like borderline, uh, you know, that it can lead to, it's very easy to lead to confusion, you know, with uh, yes. projections. And, yeah. and plus with creative people, maybe in their heads, they think if you're, they're saying this, but it's gonna be read another way. Right, and I think that's part of why um, this collective has been going for like, what is it now, nine years, almost 10, which is wild. Um, but it means that there's been a lot of experience with working in public spaces and projection and messaging. And so maybe someone who's new to it might not be thinking that like, like that, I guess, with the context. Um, and I feel like with all of us, um, having eyes on a project, we're able to sort of think about people who are walking down the street and have no idea what you're talking about suddenly seeing a word or an image and what that might look like. Um, so that's, yeah, something we keep in mind. What about the creative process of, of doing a campaign or starting the project such as this? Can you give me uh, an example of one experience or, or two in which uh, there was a particular way of, of creating the the image or the messages that you're going to put out? 
Uh, I feel like Grayson actually might have a fun answer to this one. Do you want to? Um, yeah, it's, there's so many. I mean, uh, one that always comes to mind is, uh, I think it might have been the, was it the first one that you were on, Emily, the Ed Snowden? Yeah. Yeah, like um, that was back in like 2013 or something. And um, so, yeah, these, uh, these artists had placed a uh, statue of Edward Snowden in Fort Greene Park like gorilla statue placement. <laughs> and then um, I went there and just to go see it with my own eyes. And by the time I got there, it was only like 10 AM and it had already been, it was in a tarp. They were like removing it. It was like, like it was in Guantanamo Bay. Like they put something over his head so no one could see it, but everyone knew what it was. Um, and then I ran into Kyle and maybe Emily on the way, like walking back home. And we were like, we have to, uh, we have to do something. And so we went back that night um, after, you know, thinking of it for a while and we were like, okay, we sort of like devised this plan to like put the statue back into public space via a projection. Mm -hmm. And so we went and like got a bunch of, uh, we actually used <laughs> wheat flour, but I think we told the press that it was like ashes or something, but we like threw wheat flour into the air and then projected the statue like back to where it was. I thought it was smoke. Yeah, yeah, or maybe right. we smoke. Yeah, I think we <laughs> wanted to make it sound like we hadn't made a giant mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, the pigeons cleaned it up. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, that one was kind of like, you know, I think most of what we do is we're working with organizations and, and stuff, and so it's usually a bit different than that. But for, like, the self-initiated projects like that, you know, that one really stands out because it was just like, we just knew, like, the poetry was kind of, immediately clear to us like we had to put it back and we, we might as well do it with projection because they can't like take that down um so that that one was really a nice one that came together and we just sort of like yeah we get in a room for like an hour before we leave two hours before we leave figure it out and like cross our fingers because we had never projected into a cloud of you know smoke flower before <laughs> now this is this brings up another thing because it's one of the things that uh I've had a personal experience and also uh, working with, for example, Extinction Rebellion here in Berlin. Um, it's, it's for the photo, right? It's for capturing that moment that really the photo is going to create the social media uh, move it, you know, it's going to, it's not necessarily sometimes that there are so many people watching it at the moment but rather what happens afterwards with that uh, image that becomes in one way or another viral and it's so big or in this case, so unique and poetic uh, with the Snowden element, for example. Does, do you look at, it, at this uh, like this? Uh, sometimes, so I guess I usually, um, when we're working with a group or our own project, uh, it usually goes one of two ways. Um, I mean, we'll document it regardless, uh, but sometimes we're making a project with like a large rally or a group of people in mind um, or something with an interactive element um, that'll keep people there for longer. And other times, yeah, like what you're saying, um, we'll look for like an iconic building um, or something with a lot of context or meaning um, to, the, to the cause and then go out there and try to yeah, document it and share that. Because, okay, I couldn't understand two scenarios. For example, I saw, the one of the vulture, beautiful work. And I loved how the people from the actual building uh, were integrated and writing their message. It's, it's 
guys, it's a beautiful project. I really, my skin, I get goosebumps because it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. But in that case, you had a more or less controlled atmosphere, you know? What happens when you are like on the move, on the go, you gotta hide that projector or get out, you know, or something like that. So it, it changes the conditions. Yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, that's one of the main things we keep in mind when trying to pick between um, or, or trying to shape the project, I guess. If it is like a really high risk location, like you're talking about, yeah, we're probably gonna go with a photo and get out of there yeah. <laughs> um, because security isn't gonna want us there for very long. Um, so we've gotten very speedy. Uh, Grayson, um, tell me a bit, a little bit about one particular project that you're especially proud about that had a certain impact or that you really like did something completely different from what you were normally. Yeah. I mean, another one, um, that was self-initiated that really sticks out that, that, yeah, it was kind of a unique thing for the illuminator and also like it was another one of these kind of poetic moments i feel was um in uh in montreal um there was the, you know these like massive student demonstrations because they tried to increase tuition and there were demonstrations of like 300,000 people and then the government instituted anti-protest laws p6 and then once that kicked in and they were fining people like $600 for protesting then they raised tuition And then it was like still illegal to protest. So it was like this crazy situation. Um, and anyway, we went there as the illuminator and like, I went up there like a month ahead of time to kind of try to devise something with some student activists that were there and um, held some sign making parties and like drank beer and then, uh, you know, talked to people. And eventually we sort of figured out um, that we could like have a green screen and then the students kind of walked like this with the sign on the green screen. And then I made some software that kind of like helped to mix these things up. So there were like 30 people and like a hundred protest signs. And so there were like 300 people with protest yeah. signs. Um, and then you can kind of like intermix them. And then anyway, what we ended up doing was like projecting that back into public space in Montreal at like iconic sites of the student protest. And, um, the law was such that you couldn't protest with more than 50 people at a time without giving like a list of names and addresses of everyone involved to the police and having it approved. So the title of the project was taken from, you know, some of the student activism, which is on a plus que cinq ans, we are more than 50. And just sort of like, pro, you know, projecting that around the town to kind of talk, to speak to the fact that like clearly the powers that be, they don't want, protest there because they don't want people thinking about this and like, you know, challenging what they have set in motion. Um, but we were doing that without actually breaking any laws. Um, so it seemed like a very kind of clever circumvention of, of the law that was only enabled through the circumstances of us having this projector and like computers and stuff, you know? Um, and then that kind of also evolved into this tool that we use pretty often now called the protest generator, um, which has been pretty useful in Zoom times, in Corona times. Um, so people can kind of like protest in place um, or participate in street level projections from home where we would normally have them out to like write 
as you saw in the vulture video, you know, draw on a piece of paper. But this allows them to do that from a web page and then a virtual avatar kind of like walks on the scene with uh, the protest signs that they've created. And I'll send you a link of how oh, that works. Yeah, I, I saw uh, briefly the protest generator, but could you tell me a little bit more in the sense, do you do it? Because one of the things I was talking uh, the other day, I was like, you know, in a workshop with Joanny Lemercier and, and other people who were talking about the importance of distributing, the, the importance of distributing or having it, making it available for others to do it by themselves uh, from their building, from their houses, even if it's a small wall or whatever, they can just receive uh, the material. And how do you, how are you able to actually engage with other people and distribute and one of the things we're talking about okay can we use webgl for example as a, a a base of like streaming and from there people pick it up i don't know get it through siphon or something like that and onto their onto their uh, software and then and go out with that like a, a like a coordinator you know a coordinator assault or something uh, tell me a little bit more of this protest generator in this sense yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot to say about this. I think we also agree that yeah, sharing and um, kind of potentiating the impact by having more people involved is always you know going to make a bigger difference. And so, in the development of these tools, we try to like open source them and make them available um, to other people. Sometimes it's like easier said than done. You know, it's like uh, when we're all like. <laughs> basically volunteering for the project then it's like when we you know when we get around to actually like doing an action we're like oh my god and we scramble and we do it and we don't usually have the time to kind of like put together the necessary steps to recreate it for other people but sometimes we do um but i mean yeah this uh, this idea of like coordinated action across a network of people in multiple cities is something that we've kind of fantasized about before but um and emily i think you have organized some some something like this before, right? Yeah. Well, one, we are you know connected to groups in different cities um, in the states in the U.S. But also, actually, um, I don't know if you're on this Telegram chat, um, Gabrielle. It's no. like a so there's Proyectorazo and then this other channel called Axion Mundial, um, and it's I'm not even sure who started it. Uh, we got added to it, I think, because um, we met with Delight Lab in Chile, like yeah. in Santiago, like years and years and years ago um, when we were down there. And it's mostly um, people in like South America, um, like Brazil, Argentina, Chile, um, other places. Although there are some people in Germany um, and another European country on here. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at my phone while I'm talking because I'm scrolling through it. They were just blowing up my phone about uh, Mayday projections. Um, and so with these proyectorazos that are coordinated, um, we put, uh, it's usually like Spanish focused um, and people put all their materials that they've made around a topic in a shared Google Drive. Um, I will sometimes I will usually make some um, in English and add them there too. Mm -hmm. And then when we do a coordinated projection over one or two dates, um, people document them, whether like you're saying it's out of their apartment window or like a bigger one on a building somewhere. And then those images are shared. Um, the person who's wanted to organize that specific project collects them and makes a press release, I think. And it's made a big 
impact, I think, in some of these countries. Um, I, like, what was it last year? The president of Argentina made some sort of statement about it. We did a like coordinated stay home projection. It's really cool. Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah, like you were saying earlier, um, I that the woman who's organizing that other projection project, I think she opened it and let it be more freeform. Whereas these sort of already have a set like theme, aim, and they kind of like with um, graphics prepared. So people have an idea of what they're agreeing to do and then what they can add um, and show or not show. The guys from the Light Lab are, are suing the government for censorship. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was wild. You saw what happened with that, right? When the government came out with the spotlights. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. They were so pissed. Uh huh. That they like went out and got a spotlight truck to come out and go. To I know, the thing, no, no. which means it's working. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's I. I remember perfectly. Uh, there was not too long ago, like five years or seven years ago, there was this poet that was not permitted to go into Israel mm. because of his poetry. And the guy, and the, I, re I remember right now his name. He says. At least we know that poetry is still alive. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and this is exactly because while you're telling me this and, and, and I'm researching this, I'm thinking to myself, okay, guys, are we going to make this projection thing now become illegal mm. in many parts? Because, for example, you're not actually graffitiing uh, a wall, you're not destroying property, you're not, but the message is everywhere. It's right. on the wall, you're not destroying anything. I mean, at least what do they could say is that you're maybe distracting traffic because of the right. images, you know? But come on, they have all these moving images on, all over the place and like LED uh, banners all over the city and there's nothing right. to do with it, right? But, yeah. but as this it's picking up and it's spreading. Uh, it may become something now that, for example, in Europe, in France, for example, protesting is gonna become uh, illegal almost. They're doing, I mean, it's pushing to things that are very extreme. Uh, projecting could go into this area and projecting images on a wall, public space or on a tree or whatever can become something that uh it's unsettling for the powers mm -hmm. yeah we actually one time well actually more than once we've been stopped by the police and we uh on one occasion we were like arrested or or detained in a jail cell for you know until 3 a.m or whatever and then they uh impounded the projector and the van and they had the projector for like two months two and a half months or something they didn't um, question the projector <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we we actually we sued them uh, for a First Amendment violation and uh, prior restraint, which I think is like uh, we sued the NYPD. That is um, yeah. because they took away our ability for free speech during the time that they had our projector, you know, um, and the charges that they leveled against us, which were dismissed, was illegal posting of advertisements, uh, which is like what they do to stop people from like, you know, wheat pasting concert flyers or yeah. whatever everywhere but it's like that means that it's permanently affixed and that it is uh, uh you stand to gain something commercially or, or financially from that and so clearly like neither of those things were true in our case but they kind of you know 
the, the NYPD or like any major metropolitan police department, they kind of do what they want and then, you know, uh, deal with the consequences later. And then I learned after we sued them, uh, and it wasn't very much money. It was like a few thousand dollars in the end. Um, but you know, all that money comes from taxpayers in the city. Like the police department is unfazed by this. Yeah. So they've got a, a monopoly on that situation for sure. Let me be blunt. Are you, have you, do you know if you're being investigated by the FBI or they're like running around? I don't know. I'm just they haven't sent me a postcard yet. So <laughs> no, because it's true. It's uh, they, I mean, I, I look at the examples of, of groups of uh, people against the government or protesting from the 80s, 70s, and so forth, and they were being all investigated. And in groups of artists as well. So I am thinking, is this still happening? Could it be happening? Are you aware that maybe it could be happening? I mean, I think surely they are like, or at least on a list or something. Yeah. I don't know how like much they're looking into it. I mean, you know, there was like a, a more serious incident. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about that. I mean, we can edit Good. it out later, so it's yeah. okay. You don't want me to I think it's it worthwhile. On. I feel like I talk about it all Tell the time. Tell me about it, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, well, first about the FBI, it's like, I'm not really losing any sleep at night, I figure. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, it happens, it happens. Um, but uh, to what we were just talking about with, yeah, cops, legality, security, mm -hmm. um, and long-term lists. Uh, early on when I joined the Illuminator, this was again, one of my like first handful of projections with the group. Um, we had gone out with this uh, organization that was like an anti, focused on the anti-nuclear um, messaging mm -hmm. and I had, I had joined uh, three other people from the collective. Um, I hadn't seen the content they had made um, for the night. Uh, and so we get to the projection site and it's the UN building in New York. Um, it's like this, if you're not familiar, it's that very tall, large, easily visible from a lot of areas in the city. Great projection surface also. Yeah. Um, also a high security risk, obviously. And so we go out there, uh, get the projector running, throw it up on the side of the UN, and it's this image of a, a cartoon duck, like a little silhouette, and it's got a crosshairs over it. And it says, we are all sitting ducks and has like a mysterious hashtag. And I see that and my stomach drops because I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> like, I know I'm, like, uh, like, I'm new to this group. Everyone else has been doing this for much longer than me. But this just seems like a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm kind of like, I don't know. Um, but it's up there. They think it's fine. Um, they, uh, you know, the group gets their video and their photos of it. Um, they're excited. They're going to share this all over the place. It's going to be great for the anti-nuclear movement. Sure. Um, we turn off the projector and then uh, the crew wants to hang out a little longer and do, I think, another Edward, Edward Snowden projection. Like, I don't know why. Uh, well, I do know why. It doesn't matter. Um, but before we even get that up and running, these like three black SUVs come like screeching around the corner. Really? Um, and it's like very much like get up against the wall, like stop what you're doing. Like no one talk to each other. Like all this stuff um, and they hold us there they like pull police cars up um, they cuff us take us in and hold us for like was it two or three hours I don't remember 
um, and not even in a cell because they weren't didn't know what to charge us with yet. Um, but they had to contact the anti-terrorism task force. Um, so we'd wait for them to show up. It was just a lot of like standing in a cold hallway in handcuffs for three hours. <laughs> um, and the anti-terrorism task force shows up, they're pissed, and they take us one by one and interrogate us. Um, and uh, yeah, the moral of the story is don't put up anything that looks threatening. <laughs> yeah, that's and, what I was talking about before because it's, yes. it's very thin line and can be misinterpreted really easily, right? Right, like, you know, we other people who made the like design saw a cartoon duck thought it was an issue everyone else who sees that sees a giant crosshairs <laughs> on the un building um and they don't like that um so yeah we gotta uh we eventually they, they did just let us go and they didn't charge us with anything but the whole process was like very draining and stressful um and we got a lot of admonishments uh and again, are probably on a list somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is one of the things that, I mean, one has to be uh, careful because it's not only that you're projecting on a big wall, the, the message is getting augmented by itself. Mm -hmm. One thing is where you talk with another person personally, I mean, in a one-to-one -one conversation, and when you put it out there, that expression can become, I mean, we're sitting ducks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> the messaging is incredibly important, um, especially at that scale and especially when it's on um, yeah. yeah, high risk building, really any building, though. Um, I always tell people to stay away from threatening messages or anything that looks uh, like violent. Like, yeah, people well, are already stressed enough as it is in New York. We don't need to <laughs> freak anybody out. We don't need to freak any sweet old people looking out their windows out. You know, people are already <laughs> let them <right>? live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, one of the things that I, uh, I'm I'm really fascinated by your project, your collective, and everything. And I one of the powerful things about it that I can see is its members and their creativity. And Grayson, you you were. Uh, you, you did a, an interview and I was reading it about tax evaders and the will of justice. And for me, it was just fascinating to see how you can start integrating games into this. And could you explain those uh, or talk to us a little bit about, about this aspect of game, how it involves people into, for, for, for the person that plays the game, the message, you don't have to feed it to them. They'll realize it while they're doing it by themselves, which the message is more powerful than telling people what to think. It's better that they realize it by themselves. That's power, man. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, there's something uh, really appealing about the innocuous form of the video game. You know, it's like anyone who sees that is going to, well, a lot of people who see that are going to want to engage in a way that's uh keeps them yeah they're on site and then they're like part of this moment and you know with tax evaders which was a game that was actually created by uh Malay industria um paolo Petercini's sort of one man collective video game collective um that one it's like yeah you, you're a crowd of people and it's just like space invaders but you're a crowd of people and you sort of like like put your fist in the air and then the fist kind of shoots at these like alien spaceships that are these, you know, tax evading corporations in the U S yeah. um, and through like 
using people power, you destroy these corporations and then the money is like returned to the city. Um, and yes, yeah, like you say, you sort of, you come to understand the argument through the kind of like procedural logic of the game, which is like, ah, okay, we take down the corporations, we get the money back. And it's also just fun, you know, for people to see like their city and then like be playing a game about their city projected onto their city, onto, you know, one of the banks in question. Um, and it's just, it's cool to also like invite them to slightly transgress with us, you know, because there is this, like active trespass in what we do to an extent because we're not sort of supposed to be doing it. Certainly the bank doesn't like to be doing it. And so inviting more people to participate is kind of like inviting them into a moment of protest or demonstration, you know, in a way that they didn't think they were going to be doing when they were walking to wherever they were going at that moment, you know? In the same way, the, the, I mean, it was taxi Vaders, the McDonald's game. I mean, this is beautiful. It's, it's really, I mean, one of the things I was talking to uh, to other people, and one of the things for me that I, I like to stress uh, what, that it's very important is how to use your creativity. Other than just putting words, how can you really engage with people's creativity and make them see differently, you know, instead of just having the words fed to you, you know? To, to them or to to the people that see it i mean that has power but uh, it this is part of the the one of the important things and you mentioned uh, grayson a couple of times uh, poetics and i'm a firm personally i'm a firm believer in poetics in every aspect that uh, of an artwork i mean we that manage projectors and like projecting sometimes many artworks are pure I call it uh, fireworks, but no content, you know? There's a lot of that. And it's yeah. very important to create poetics, even poetics for protesting. And uh, tell us, for example, the experience in the Illuminator in looking for solutions that are creative, that jump, uh, that are out outside, outside the box and try to engage in this poetic examples or something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, the, I mean, the Snowden one, we already talked about that one always comes to mind. Um, and like on a plus que cinq ans, cause it's like, oh yeah, you have a 50 person uh, or less protest law. Well, guess what we can do. Um, uh, also another time, um, there was this building in New York called Five Points, which was kind of a graffiti mecca, you know, so like artists were invited to come and write on the building, draw on the building. Um, and it actually was amazing. I used to take people there all the time who were visiting the city. It's just this massive building and people were always spray painting it and stuff. Yeah. And then long story short, the developer... Yeah, you just whitewash the building overnight. And there's actually like a court case going on because they were applying for landmark status, the graffiti writers. Um, and that was like in progress. And so he sort of just did this uh, against, you know, what they were doing. Um, and I think that they were successful in like suing him. But it, then again, the building is gone. And yeah. Um, but yeah, overnight, you know, he like what he literally whitewashed the building. And so we returned uh, for like a vigil and had kind of alerted some of the graffiti writers who were going to be there that we would be there. And then we brought the people's pad, which is, yeah, the sort of what you were talking about in the vultures video and allowed the graffiti writers to like 
draw on the building. And so, you know, like the irony or the poetics of the situation was that it being white made it an ideal projection surface, you know, because then it's like super reflective. Uh, and so that was a super nice moment of just being like, again, yeah, there's there's like a little bit of humor to it. I think, you know, in, in most of these cases, it's like, ha ha ha, we, we, now we're, we're back <laughs> and we're going to like and put this here. into the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's really beautiful. But another thing that for me, it's very important is, and I would like to, to discuss it with you guys is, what are the parallels or how can we go beyond the idea of graffiti with projectors? Because in one sense, it can be thought about it like that, but at a certain moment or at a certain level, I think it has to go beyond that when, when we project in public space without permission you know it has all the what lifestyle or the antics of it but it definitely has these parallels what do you think about this comparison of graffiti with these types of projection and how can it go beyond yeah i mean i think um for a lot of the work that we try to do, um, we do a lot of thinking about the site and like the, the specifics of the site and the context of the building that we're going to use. Um, so in addition to trying to find like a wall that is good for projection, um, we are also looking at like, what is this building? Like who is using it? Um, who has used it before? Um, what is it doing uh, in the city? And what does it represent? And so I think like using, like seeing it as more than a wall um, helps like move past the idea of just graffiti. Um, and now you're like sort of engaging with the building and like the broader structure. I'm not saying graffiti doesn't do that. And um, there's plenty of great graffiti that definitely does that. Yeah. And also, I mean, if the question is, is also kind of about this, like, um, yeah, I mean, affecting actual change beyond this kind of moment, uh, of, of the spectacle or something it's yeah it's very difficult to answer of course um but also there have been some some sort of concrete or like discrete moments like victories where you know we work with organizations that have these sustained campaigns that have been going on and um and then they are victorious and so we like you know like to think that we play some part in that i mean there was um uh, the, there was this restaurant, uh, hot and crusty, which is kind of a funny name. Um, but they were like, you know, not being paid, uh, they were being paid like illegal wages. They weren't being paid minimum wage, you know? And so we basically just like projected that onto the building. And so at night when people would go to get their pizza, they would see that and then go, Oh, I guess I'll go to two bros or whatever down the street. <laughs> and yeah. And that, you know, and they, they won. And it's not as though like we're the, the the sole reason for that or something, but like we joined forces with them and were successful in that labor campaign. Um, and there have been a few other moments like that. So I think there's definitely like uh, a push in the group to like work with organizations in the long term, you know, which um, takes more, yeah, more organizing effort from us uh, and from from others. But I think it can be more rewarding, you know, like right now there's this like ongoing fight about gentrification in Chinatown. And so um, Emily and Anna have been doing a lot of organizing with the Chinatown Arts Brigade to like push back against that. And it's been like a years long collaboration, um, but the payoff is, 
you know, affects people's daily lives, you know, if, if successful. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this question. It's what have you learned from the people that see your projections and your actions? I mean, it's a very open question, but what have these people taught you back? Um, I guess, well, thinking about it long-term, um, they have taught me that I, it, it does have an impact, um, even though I've we've been doing this for so long that I think sometimes to us, we're like, it, it doesn't look impressive anymore that, or, you know, what we're doing, but for other people, um, they can, who are seeing it for the first time, like for now at least, um, they're still stopping, um, being interested, um, being like learning from it um, or being mad at it, which is also, you know, any response is great in New York, really. <laughs> People are bombarded by so much all the time. Um, what else have I learned? Uh, I feel, yeah, like um, in engagement, I feel like is something that we keep thinking about and maybe goes back to the graffiti question too. Um, like on, on top of just doing like messaging with words or images, um, trying to do things like the people's pad or have, we've also done um, like kind of a webcam set up before where people can go and like kind of tell their story on a building in real time, or we'll take video of them in advance and they're speaking from the building. Um, ways of storytelling, I guess, um, merging that with projection. That's something that I've yeah learned over the years as like a fun thing to do. I think like the, the most rewarding moments have been like when like, you know, Emily and I have taken part in some of these like street demonstrations that were kind of, you know, rapidly formed during like, for example, Black Lives Matter. Um, and then just like getting the projector and the battery and like literally putting the projector on our heads or and then like someone's trailing with the projector. And it's like we're surrounded by a crowd of people in this moment together. And like, you can just tell that it is like sustaining them during this hours long March and really helping to keep the energy up. And like, you know, I don't know, it just, it's just so nice to, to see it, it, you know, in a crowd of people and it's like, oh, wow, cool. Okay. Yeah. Like we're all, we're in this together and like we can do these sorts of things. Like we can, you know, there's, there's something about seeing, something like that that's like very unexpected or like yeah it's like a little bit of uh you're trespassing and also it's like oh wow like these people managed to do this thing that you know maybe we could do too or we could do some version of or like and there's other groups that are doing cool stuff like this too like um you know the um uh oh god what's it called athena's uh the light, oh, brigade. light brigade yeah yeah light brigade. they'll come with like light up signs that they make mm -hmm. and like this is another kind of it's like an affordable, you know, way of, of having a unified message. And then that's really cool because people get to like hold the, these signs up, you know, with her and then be a part of that, that image that gets circulated and like, you know, this like moment of cheerleading, I think. And, and this is, I just realized, for example, do, do any of you come from a VJ background? I, I've been i've been down to vj <laughs> <laughs> did you do it pre-illuminator you know, like, you're too sure yeah. about it <laughs> yeah well i've been known <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's actually really funny yeah i did it a little bit before the illuminator yeah like um uh my friend's band oh no moon 
I was like doing their live shows. And it's, it's funny too, because in New York, in the States in general, there's like no infrastructure for VJing. Like you have to like put up a bed sheet behind the band and like bring a projector. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's not that cool. <laughs> I think, for example, when you're at a protest manifestation, blah, 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 you're the projector, another person is holding it, you're with a computer and someone tells you, put this and this, and now you have this image and can I put this? And they give you a, a, a drive, a, a USB, and like, you're like, you're like bitching, you know? <laughs> You're, reading, you're, you're seeing the people's responses and you're responding to them and it's becoming a communication, a dialogue, a visual dialogue with the crowd. So that's why I'm asking this. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's really cool. So, yeah. um, guys, thank you so much for this interview. It has been amazing. Uh, a lot of great information and things to like really think about it and where we can take this forward and especially the creative strategies, which I think are, are the biggest, uh, what do you call it, the strength, the biggest strength of this.